Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. All right, well, let's gather back together then. Uh, if you missed it a minute ago, my name's Rich. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, um, and it's great to have you all here today. Um, please do continue to pray for Steph. Steph is out today. Um, pray for him. He's in Ipswich today. Uh, so he needs a... Gosh. It, was, it was too easy. It was too easy. Um, but he's out there serving the church, preaching um, at Hope Church in Ipswich. Um, so do please continue to pray for him. He's, he's out and ministering and um, serving them. Um, but today... Uh, we're going to jump into um, Mark. So as a church, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking um, at a series in the book of Ruth, and we're taking a short break um, today, um, and then we'll pick up with our Ruth series from next week, and the following week we'll finish that off. Um, And today we're going to pick up um, on giving. Um, It's a broader... So Malcolm made mention of our special offering that's coming up next week, um, where we're giving towards um, our housing fund. I'll talk more about that um, towards the end of my sermon. Um, But but, but really, this this sermon is bigger um, than just a singular event. It's bigger um, than just a special offering next week. It's bigger um, than just even one um, aspect or one project or one thing or one ministry that we might be raising money towards. Um, This is a principle. This is a lifestyle. This is actually a discipleship thing. Um, And that's why here at Rev, one of our key things to be part of the community here at Rev is that we're giving. We're giving into all that God's doing. We're giving into um, the ministry. We're giving into pay for this place. We're giving into um, supporting the kids' work for setting up um, our CAP Center for um, Food Bank, which has now wonderfully become self-sustaining. Um, where's Adrian? Praise God, Adrian, you legend. Um, you know, so it, it's great to see what God is doing, um, and and it all comes back to this principle of giving, of, of giving out of a heart of generosity, um, and throughout Scripture. We read verses like in um, Psalm 24, verse 1, where it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Or, or maybe in 1, 1 Chronicles uh, 29, verse 14, For all things come from you, that's talking about God, and of your own, out of God's own, have we given you. That's God's people speaking to him. And then again in Romans 11, it says, For th- from him and through him and to him are all things. You see, all of these verses give us a sense of what's going on. Um, that actually in God, he is perfect. And in God, there is no lack. It's all his. It's all his. He created um, everything. And, and it can be tempting, um, particularly if we have means, if we have um, a lot of money. It can be tempting to think that actually by our giving, by our service, we're, we're kind of somehow helping God out. Like we're doing him a favor so that, so that something can continue, so that something can keep moving forward. But the reality is that actually it all came from God in the first place. There is no lack in him. The question really is, how will we steward what he's given to us? How will we use what he's provided for us? You see, in Colossians um, 1, verses 16 17, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
The reason that I'm even able to speak now is because he permits it. It's because he gives me life. The reason Rev is still here is because it's part of his grace. It's part of his design that the church would shine a light to the ends of the earth. You see, God is so powerful. He's so mighty. He's so beyond our comprehension. And at the same time, he's so kind and he's so compassionate and he deals so tenderly and he wants to nurture our hearts. And he wants to cultivate a faith within us. He wants to cultivate a holiness. He wants to shape us after Jesus. And the work that he's begun in us, he's, 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 um, the Bible uses the idea of like clay being molded. We're being sculpted into the image of Jesus. That's maturity. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into Matthew 12. Lord Jesus, we just pray, God, that as we open up your word today, that, Lord, you would speak to us. That, Lord, as your people, as your disciples, that, Lord, we would sit under your word um, and, Lord, we would allow your word to challenge us, to convict us, to shape us, to mature us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we're going to read in uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. It's going to come up um, on the screen uh, behind me. But just before we get into reading this passage, I just want to catch you up to speed on a little bit of context here. Um, and so... Earlier in this chapter, um, in Mark chapter 12, um, we've got a group uh, of people, a group of um, the Jewish people called the scribes. Now, these scribes were essentially legal experts. Um, so they were excellent at understanding the Jewish law, what the Jews were meant to do and weren't meant to do. And, um, and as a result, they had, a posi- they had positions of influence. So they were very influential, very powerful people. Um, and actually, we see this group, the scribes, they repeatedly come at Jesus and they're often trying to trip him up with just technicalities about the law. And, and, and it's almost like they're trying to use their lex, legal expertise, which they, I mean, that was their speciality, to try and trip him up. And so actually, um, what's just happened in the preceding verses, so in the few verses beforehand, um, in verse 38, Jesus is in the temple, and he's been teaching, and he's just called out the scribes. He's called them out for their hypocrisy. He's just said it plain as day. Um, and Jesus says that they, 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 they appear to, to be really well-to-do and they love the respect of people. Um, but actually, Jesus says, they, it's, he says in um, verse 38, uh, yeah, in verse 40, they devour widows' houses and they basically make long prayers, but it's all for show. Essentially, they're a bunch of hypocrites. And they, 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 they want to be seen to be doing one thing, but in secret, um, the opposite is actually true. Um, and so we're going to pick up then in verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. This is Jesus after he's finished teaching. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. 
And so here Jesus has been uh, teaching in the temple. The crowd seems to disperse. And he just takes this opportunity just to have a sit down. Um, and he's, he's, he's in the um, temple and he's opposite the offering box. Um, and now with the offering boxes, there were actually lots of different offering boxes um, all around um, the temple. And they were all kind of, they all had slightly different purposes, um, but they all looked the same. And so essentially what they had was like a narrow opening at the top and then it went down into like a big jar at the bottom. Um, and uh, it was kind of like a reverse trumpet, if you like. And people would put their money in, and then it would go down. Um, and historians reckon, because of the material and the shape of it, it would make this huge clanging sound um, as money was put into these um, offering pots. Um, and they were all assigned different things. So you'd put your tithes in one, you'd put your offerings in one, you'd put um, sacrifices in another one. You'd put all of these different things into all of these different boxes. Um, and then there was one box... Um, that was, that was essentially for voluntary donations. So once you'd given uh, what, was, what was due, what was according to um, the law of Moses, what, Jesus had, what God had set in principle for his people, once you'd fulfilled that duty, you could then opt to give beyond that. So you were put into this voluntary um, offering box. And I think, I think I'm reading around different sources and things, it seems to be this is the offering box that Jesus is opposite. Um, part of the reason, because he says, um, he says, doesn't he, he says that they've given out of their abundance. Um, and he's making the point um, that actually these people are giving out of um, an excess. So at this point, if that's the case, then there's no obligation to give. This is a voluntary thing um, that they're doing. It's not as if... It's, so, so when we talk about the widow, it's not as if she's doing what, 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 what is right according to the law. She's doing what is right according to the heart, according to the conviction that she feels and the obedience to God and to give out of that. And then Jesus watches as the rich people put their gifts in. Um, and then he watches as this widow puts in her two copper coins. And it's in this moment that Jesus just gathers his disciples together um, and he begins to explain something of the God economics at work, um, which, to be fair, is very different to worldly economics. Um, the widow is poor. She doesn't have much to give. Um, she's lost her husband. And with that, everything. And, and, and from our series that we've been looking at in Ruth, Ruth herself was a widow, um, and we can see the struggle that she then goes through to try and gather food, to try and make a living, to try and survive um, in the midst of what is quite a brutal environment. And so this widow, she would have lost nearly everything. And that's why, actually, when you look at the law right back in the Old Testament, um, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, Steph shared it uh, last week, um, essentially provisions were made for widows in the law. That actually they were so vulnerable that actually God made specific provision for them. That actually they were to be guarded, they would be to, to be protected um, by the people of God, by um, the Jews. And actually we see in our passage today that actually instead of caring and providing for those widows. Um, Jesus has just pointed out in verse, um, verses 38 to 40, he's, he's just said that of the scribes, they often abused their power and actually they devoured widows' houses. 
And what that meant was most likely that these widows would essentially have been manipulated out of the very little that they did have. And so Jesus is watching people dropping their offerings into this box and the clanging rings out as another donation goes in and then, he, and then, and then all of a sudden he hears just this gentle clatter of a couple of coins as this wood, widow pours her offering in. And he makes this incredibly profound point. He gathers them, his disciples, and he says, um, this widow, he said, this, she's given more than any of them. Jesus said, this widow has put in more than all those All those who are contributing to the offering box. If you're one of the disciples at this point, you're probably thinking, "Mm, Jesus, I'm not sure she did. I only heard two coins clank into the box. And this guy's given a whole load of money. This guy's still giving money. This guy, you know, it's going on and on and on. And she's literally just dropped in a couple of coins. Except for Jesus goes on to clarify, doesn't he, in verse 44. He says, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Jesus' response to, her, her, to, to watching this scenario unfold is, is kind of revolutionary. He's saying, actually... When, 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 when you think of gifts, you're off, you compare the wrong thing. The comparison isn't between what people have and don't have. The comparison isn't about how much you've given or how much you've given. The comparison is about how much have, have I given compared to what God has given me. It's kind of got nothing to do with anybody else. There's something that God has done, he's, he, and, and, and we read about it in those verses that I read right at the beginning. Throughout Scripture, it's all been given to us out of the grace of God. It's the blessing of the Lord. And then our heart is revealed as, as we humbly come before him and say, Okay, God, what am I going to give? It, it's actually an incredibly liberating truth. Uh, that what I give is now not compared with what other people give. But what I give is according to what I've been given. According to what God has entrusted me to steward. Um, the, the issue is we kind of had a, have a predisposition in our hearts to actually compare. We're kind of wired that way. And, and, and actually society just kind of reinforces that. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's material things like money or stuff or, or whether that's position or power or status. You see it. It's, it's rampant through social media. The comparison lifestyle, chasing after the dream. Society is constantly telling us to look at others, to then measure, compare how we stack up against them and then whether we are doing right or not. Comparison actually only stirs up jealousy and envy, covetousness, and actually, I, I do believe that comparison will actually erode our sense of identity in who God has called us to be. Because we'll be looking at others and we'll be, we'll be seeing what they've been blessed with. And actually, it won't cause us, it won't inspire us. Actually, what it does in our heart is it causes us to recognize what we then lack. And actually, that undermines the very foundation that Jesus came to establish in our life. 
And so the question really is, God's apportioned to each of us stuff, money, possessions, resources, whatever it is. The question is, how are we going to steward that? How are we going to honor God with all that we've been given? Now, I recognize that, 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 that in, in the context of this sermon, we've got the cost of living going up. We've got shop prices going up, you know, an extra, I don't know, 20p on your chocolate bar or whatever it might be. But the reality of that is it's ramifications. That is exponential across a shopping basket. And it's costly. Energy bills going through the roof. And many of us feeling the pinch where we have budgets that might have just met our expenses, all of a sudden it, it, it doesn't anymore. And we've got to rework things and we've got to figure some things out. And maybe today many of us feel like that widow who, who, who actually don't have much to bring, don't have much to contribute. But actually whether we find ourselves with a lot or a little, that's really not the point. Because actually... It, that, that's based on a comparison against people. That's based on what I have in the context of others. The, 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 words, the word rich is, is relative. It's relative compared to people around me. And so we have to redefine what that word rich means. You see, the rich were putting in large sums of money. They put in loads of money. But this widow, Jesus said, she gave everything. I imagine, I imagine she maybe shuffled up to this offering box, perhaps said a little quick prayer and just kind of dropped it in and then darted off. And it's just this simple act of devotion. She's not looking for hype. She's not looking for recognition. She, she, she's prepared her heart before the Lord. She's felt the conviction of God, and she's gone, I'm going to give everything. Everything I've got. Now, even if you do have means, even if we do have money, even if we do have possessions, we can still give with that same attitude of faith. We can still give out of that same devotion. And the fact that we actually live here, the fact that we live in our part of the world means where we might feel like we're on the pinch, we probably actually have considerably more means than we think we do. We have, we have what economists call, we, we have economic power. We can make decisions about what we spend our money on. And that's a very real truth. We're, 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 some of us may be absolutely living on the breadline. And I don't want to dismiss that by any means. But maybe, but, 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 but maybe the reason some of us feel like we're on that breadline is because we're comparing to what others have around us. And actually, it doesn't stack up. And, 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 and if you are genuinely in trouble, if you are struggling with finances, if you are struggling with debt, then please do come and speak to us. We'd love to support you. We'd love to work with you. We, work, we partner with CAP, which is a wonderful charity that helps people manage their finances and get out of debt. But back to our, back to our, back, back to our passage today. 
And so actually, according to with what God has blessed us, we want to have the right attitude to giving. We want to be like that widow who just out of simple devotion just gave it all, laid it at Jesus, laid it, laid it at the feet of the temple and said, there you are, have it all. And then um, something else we notice is that actually Jesus doesn't make any comment about where the money's going. So she's put money into this offering box. And actually, Jesus doesn't make any comment about what that money is going to end up. Which, if I'm honest, I find a little bit surprising. <laughs> and here's why. We've already seen that the scribes, Jesus said it a few verses earlier, devour the, the widow's houses. Like they take advantage of the vulnerable. Right? He, he's saying there's corruption um, within the temple structure. And, and at no point does Jesus say, hang on, lady, hang on, hang on, hang on. These guys are corrupt. Don't, don't put money into the offering box. You keep it. You need it. He doesn't step in and intervene. In fact, in the previous chapter in Mark 11, Jesus has actually um, turned over the tables in the temple of the money changers. The people that would basically skim off the top of any offerings that came. People that would rip people off, basically. Jesus has come in and he's, he's basically chased them out. And he turns over the tables. And then at this moment, at the end of chapter 12, so after that event, Jesus still doesn't intervene. With all of the mismanagement, with all of the people lining their own pockets, skimming off the top, he doesn't say, don't, don't bother with your offerings. You feed yourself. And I think it's quite a profound statement to us because all of a sudden... It says that this woman's offering is about discipleship. It's not about where the temple is going to end up. It's not so that they can get to X, Y, and Z. Part, part, I mean, that's where the money will eventually go, but that's not the ultimate reason for her giving. The ultimate reason for her giving is discipleship. I'm going to be obedient to what God said. I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to prayerfully consider, and I'm going to sow into the kingdom. That's what she does. You see, it says in Acts 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than to receive. There is a blessing in giving. And Jesus doesn't want to deny her that blessing. Um, we're going to read in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 now. Something of the heart, something of the attitude to giving. It says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, um, they're gathering up, um, an offering um, for the church in Jerusalem. Um, and uh, in verse 6, Paul writes this. He says, the point is this. <laughs> He's just waffled for a few verses. <laughs> the point is this. <laughs> whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Just going to correct myself. Paul isn't waffling in the verses just before. <laughs> um, 
He's making a point, but I'm so thankful that he wrote three, these three verses directly afterwards because it brings a lot of clarity to what he was trying to say. There you go. Um, <laughs> um, this is an incredible few verses, um, and, and Paul's giving us some really grounded wisdom and instruction on how to give. Um, and he starts with this promise in verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And if we reflect that back into our Mark 12 passage, surely this woman who gave everything, she sowed bountifully. And therefore we can be confident that she will reap bountifully. We mustn't, we mustn't, we mustn't do a misstep here. And, and, and I know many of us will be nervous of verses like this because of what we think it might or could mean. But it's not like it's a transaction. It's, it, it's not like you put something in and then you get more back. I mean, that is true, but it's not a monetary thing. It's not like you, it's, it's not like you go to the bank and you deposit 20 pounds and then you take out 500 pounds. Right? It's not a straightforward transactional thing. Actually, the blessing that is given back comes in many different forms. The reality is people have tried it that way and it hasn't worked. Um, and in fact, actually, Paul goes on to explain what he means in the next two verses. In verse 7, he describes two characteristics of wise stewardship when it comes to giving. That we would give willingly and gladly. In verse 7, we must settle, uh, must give as he has decided in his heart. That we settle before God. What is it that we're peaceful to be able to give um, and contribute? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's not about trying to coerce people out of money. It's not about trying to, 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 to manipulate things. But in that, please don't disregard the challenge. That actually this, is, this ought to be a, a, a considered conscious decision that we come before the Lord and we pray before him. We say, God, out of all that you've blessed me with, out of all that you've called me to steward, in this moment, what is right for me to part with? What is right for me to sow into the kingdom? What is right for me to give? And we check our heart in that. And secondly, giving ought to be a joyful act. God loves a cheerful giver. It's something that should give us or bring us much delight. We should recognize the privilege and the honor that it is to be able to give. And not miserably or begrudgingly, but gladly. And it requires a conscious effort to give. It takes, it takes time in prayer and preparation to bring our hearts before God. And I imagine the widow probably spent time working it through. Oh, do, do I really have faith to give all, the, all that I've got? Do I have faith to give everything? Was she prepared to release that to God and trust that as she did that, that one, there would be joy in her heart, celebration in her mouth. But secondly, could she trust that God would bless her in return? You see, what Jesus is saying with the rich people is it's, it's almost becomes like a flippant add-on. 
It's like, oh, um, yeah, sure, I've got some, yeah. Oh, yeah, look, I've got a stack of 1,000, right? Like, it, it, it's almost like a flippant response. Well, what's in my pocket? I'll just give that. They gave out of their abundance. But the woman would have taken, it would have taken a real faith and courage to make that step, trusting the promises of God's provision. I wonder if she even read uh, think verses in, like uh, Malachi uh, chapter 3 and verse 10. It says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouses, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. This is God speaking to his people, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the heaven, windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And I imagine this poor little widow with her two coins. She's reciting this verse as she goes up. She goes, until there's no more need. You see, we get a very similar promise, don't we? In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that we just looked at. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see, the blessing isn't about getting material gain in return. It's not like a get-rich-quick kind of scheme. However, when you read verse 8, you cannot escape the fact that all grace, all sufficiency, all things, at all times, in every good work, is pretty all-encompassing. You can't escape that. And so like I say, it's not a straightforward transaction. But there is an all-sufficiency in God that causes us to trust him. And it all comes back to discipleship. It all comes back to, are we prepared to trust him? Are we prepared... To, to, to out of what he's blessed us with, what he's called us to steward, are we prepared to say, Lord, okay, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to put my confidence in you, and I'm going to believe that as I sow bountifully, that, Lord, I will reap bountifully. And it's not about finance. Lord, there's a discipleship, there's a maturity thing going on. There's something you're growing me into to be, to be more faithful, to look more like Jesus. That's what's going on. And you see, when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, like that widow, he gave up everything, his very life. And his death on the cross was the perfect example of generosity. You see, trying to do things in our own strength or, or, or trying to, 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 to manufacture things or manipulate circumstances, just arrogance. It, it, it disregards God. It ignores him. It, 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 it's, like, it's like paying your dues. It's like, it's like just going through the motions. There's no substance. There's no faith in it. And Bible, the Bible calls that sin. And, and, and the, the, the punishment for that sin, for that wrongdoing, is death. 
And it says in John 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so if you're not a believer here this morning, the first step in discipleship is not to start giving. The first step in discipleship is, not, is, is, is to actually come before the Lord with humility. Recognize that, that, that God has made a way. Recognize the wrongdoing in your own life. Come and what the Bible calls repent of that and put your trust in him. The first step is to acknowledge the gift that Jesus' life, his death and resurrection are to us. And as we do that, 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 that reorders priorities, that, that, that transforms our values, our system, our faith, and it restores a relationship with God. And all of a sudden, it, 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 we, can do, we can follow Jesus out of faith and not out of duty. And so I'm going to finish with two very practical applications for us as a church. And maybe you're here and you recall Rev your home and, 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 and um, we do believe that one of the core values for being part of the church is, is, is to be giving. And if you're not, if you wouldn't call Rev your home, wherever you are, wherever you're connected in, be giving. And not because God needs it, not because that church needs it, but because you're a disciple. Because you want to put your faith in your trust. You're not going to trust in money and stuff for security and peace. You're going to put your trust in the Lord. And whatever it is that God has, uh, has apportioned to you to steward, consider, be prayerful, come before him um, and pray about that. Now, we don't, we don't typically teach tithing here. Um, where you're allotted, if you like, 10% of your income and you'd set that aside and you'd give that to the church and things like that. When you look at, when you look at the New Testament, um, tithing, tithing can almost become a little bit kind of duty-bound um, as if there's not necessarily any faith in it. Real tithing, as we read in Scripture, is about, is about a faith step. It's about saying, God, I'm going to believe you for this. Um, but, but often tithing becomes about a sense of duty, about ticking a box, about hitting that mark, hitting that target. Great, done it, brilliant, move on. It's not necessarily a conscious faith step that says, okay, God, according to all that you've given me, Lord, what do I do? What do, I do? And it might be like that widow, a couple of coins, and you give everything. Or maybe you have considerably more means, and there's several different things to be giving to and there are certain commitments, and there are certain responsibilities. It's not to say that we don't work towards a solution, but, but, but we have to consider this thing. Or else, or else finances, income, it, it, we become at the mercy of it. If we're not considering what we're doing, then, then, then actually we just succumb to wherever that's going to take us. It's not a conscious faith step. I remember somebody very wise in the church, um, somebody very wise in the church said to me, um, I didn't used to like saving at all. And they said to me, well, uh, actually, I, think, I think they said it to my wife. They said, well, what do you do when you have to pay for something that costs more than one month's paycheck? Ooh, 
See, we've got to be wise with what we do. And so there is a deliberate stewardship of what God has given that we actually come and we give out of a place of faith and we give according to all, all that God has apportioned to us, whether that's a lot or a little. The comparison is irrelevant. What has God given you? And then, and then let God search your heart and bring a clarity and conviction about that. And you might think like the widow, well, this gift won't go very far. Or just, you know, maybe, maybe if you're reviewing your giving, you think that's going to go, that won't really do much. That won't achieve much. But I think the whole point of Matthew 12 is it's not about the end result. It's not about what's going to happen, what's going to be done with the money. The primary motivation is about discipleship and spiritual maturity. You know, they say like, um, there's that, there's that uh, thing, isn't there? Like, I don't know, uh, swimming, swimming is like the best all-round exercise you can do, right? Like, it tests every muscle group, every whatever, breathing stuff, um, I love swimming, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> um, but, but swimming is like the best all-round exercise. I, I genuinely think generosity, and I don't just mean money, I mean time, resources, energy. Generosity, I think, is one of the best forms of spiritual maturity. It's, it's one of the best ways to demonstrate that something in our heart has shifted when, when, when we don't just... Uh, kind of just go through something because we have to and we feel like we ought to and we owe it to so-and-so or they did us a favor or they cooked us a meal so we got to, well, now we've got to have them around. It's not that at all. There's, there's a generosity, there's a willingness in your heart, there's a desire to honor God with all that he's given you and we give out of that place. And there's several ways that you can give here at Rev. Um, the giving station down at the front um, if you, if you want to give by standing order, fine. Please do make that a conscious thing. Don't just let it be something that you set up and then it just comes out month after month and then you forget about it. Let's, let, let, let's be conscious and faith-filled with the way that we give, with the way that we um, partner with God. And then my second application. So next week we have our special offering coming up. And we do these twice a year, and we're looking to raise funds um, for specific things. And this time, um, we're looking to um, raise funds for the housing fund uh, that Malcolm showed. I wonder if we can get that slide back up, the, 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 the one with the house. Is that all right, Patrick? No, sorry. Probably could have prepped you on that. That's okay. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Um, and so, so essentially, we're looking to, um, to buy a house um, in North London, um, so as a church, uh, we have 160,000 or so. Uh, we were given um, a lump sum um, to be, that was given to us, sits with our trustees, um, to be spent on housing for um, one of the elders, for one of the pastors. So we have about 160,000 um, in that fund, um, and we're looking to partner with Mission Housing, um, that are a wonderful um, organization over there on the left side. Um, you can see Mission Housing will help administrate, if you like, the 71,000 um, that, 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 that we need to achieve. It's recognizing that 160,000 is a lot of money, um, but in our part of London, if you're going to start talking property, it's not a lot of money. 
Um, and so as a church, um, we can get so far. Um, and where this money is restricted for uh, buying with an elder, we're going to be buying with the listings um, who, who themselves can get so far. Um, and so if we put those two things together, um, then we can... Um, we can we believe in God um, to be able to purchase a property um, at a value of about um, eight hundred and fifty thousand. A lot of that will be um, serviced uh, on the right hand side through um, equity loans um, that will be administered by Mission Housing. Um, we already have, um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we have, um, yeah, we already have eighty thousand um, pledges um, and loans made through Mission Housing. Uh, for people that want to partner and that want to be involved in this. Um, and so actually, we're, we're, we're believing that with 360,000 to go, um, that, that, that God's going to provide a way um, for us to do this. Um, and uh, we recognize um, as well that uh, our special offering next week uh, will go towards um, Rev's Rev's equity loan share. So it will go on top of that 160,000, um, which means the, sh- the church can just own a slightly larger um, chunk of the property. Um, we want to be wise um, with what God's blessed us with. We want to steward um, what we've got with faith. Um, and we want, to, we want to do something that will deepen roots here in North London um, that will be effective um, for the kingdom of God, for reaching North London um, and um, yeah, we, 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 we believe that this is the right time. And so we're pressing forward with it, um, trusting that God will make the numbers work, um, even when we get a little bit scared by how many zeros there are. Um, but yeah, and so we're going to take up our special offering next week. So over this week, I, 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 really, wanna, um, I really want to encourage us to be prayerful, to be considered, to be... Um, engaged with this in a way that's really practical. And as I say, giving is so much bigger than just one event. And so it may be, this may be a helpful provocation for you to think about that across all of your finances. But just allow God to be preparing your heart um, over this week, considering what it is that God has apportioned to you and then how you might steward and use that effectively um, according to the faith that God's given you, so that you would be able to give willingly and gladly. I'm going to pray. We're out of time. I'm going to pray, and then we'll finish there. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Why don't you stand? Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace to us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you supply every single need. Lord, thank you that we don't have to worry uh, whether heaven's resources will run out. Lord, thank you that you lack nothing. And Lord, we just want to say, Lord, that we want to be engaged uh, in our hearts in this. Lord Jesus, our, our culture doesn't like talking about money. It's just the way it is. Lord, but we want to, we don't want to, we don't want that to become a narrative. Lord, we want to be godly, we want to be wise, we want to be transparent, we want to be before you, Lord, as we as as we as we as we consider um, our contribution, as we consider 
Lord, what you've called us to. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, would you make us like that widow, Lord, who, 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 Lord, who just out of simple devotion to you, Lord Jesus, whether it's, whether it's money or it's our heart, Lord, we just want to say, have it all. Lord, have it all. Lord, we recognize every good and perfect gift is from you. And Lord, would you receive glory and blessing and honor that is due to your name. Amen.